Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 300 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your very own smartphone. Find out more about this amazing collectible and sign up for their mailing list for special offers at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Gates McFadden, who played Dr. Beverly Crusher from Star Trek The Next Generation, and you're listening to the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. executive offices at Podfleet Command, high atop the Podfleet Command Central Tower, in the Podfleet Command Complex, located here on the eastern seaboard of the United States of America. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings to you, one and all, dear listeners, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and this is episode number 264. We are so excited to have you here today. Because this is a conversation you're definitely not going to want to miss. We're so proud of this one, and we're anxious for you to hear it. And of course, by we, I do mean my co-host and I. You know, when he was looking for office space here at Podfleet Command Towers, um, we decided to put him in the basement next to the guy from Office Space. Um, it's anyone's bet as to which one of them won the the fight for space down there but i'm willing to bet dan is still lugging around his box of star trek paraphernalia looking for a little desk to set up on and listen to his stories from 9 to 11 he's the the often movable dan davidson and dan it's good to have you here buddy up on the top floor i brought my stapler anyway (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's uh it's great to be here man like you said episode 264 uh, this is a big one. This is special. We're both really, really excited. But before I actually talk about what this episode is all about, some of you may have noticed last week that we did not have a next week segment like we have done on just about every episode uh, of the Trek Geeks podcast. And there was a very specific reason uh, why we didn't do that. Wouldn't you say, pal? There was, yes. well, you know, there was the potential that whenever you're scheduling a conversation or an interview, that the schedules might not always line up, especially right. when you're not in the same time zone. Right. So we didn't want to tempt, you know, the, the great bird of the galaxy and fate. And, and so we decided to just not mention what this week's episode was going to be. Although Dan, it turns out it's going to be a really fantastic conversation. 
It absolutely is. Everything lined up perfectly. And we didn't want to say, oh, next week we're going to have blah. And then for some reason, the schedule is changing. So uh, we decided to just keep it quiet. We had the conversation. It's fantastic. We are honored and so proud to welcome the son of the great bird of the galaxy. Mr. Rod Roddenberry is joining us here on episode 264 to talk about all things Star Trek, to talk about what he's been doing, his journey. We talk, we're going to talk about the amazing uh, Trek Nation documentary that he did. And, and dude, I got to tell you, another pat on the back for you, my friend, because this was you reached out, got it all set up. And we're talking to Mr. Roddenberry, and it's pretty special. Well, and I mean, let's put things in perspective. In addition to just being Gene Roddenberry's son, he's also an executive producer. Absolutely. And let me take a a giant inhale here. Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Lower Decks, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Star Trek Prodigy, eventually Star Trek Section 31, and any other new Star Trek series that happens to come out between now and Time Eternal, Rod Roddenberry is an executive producer. So, I mean, his plate's a little full especially like not even 25 years ago, we didn't even have really anything about Star Trek on his plate. <laughs> when, and 10 years ago, and he was 10 years really ago, Trek Nation. Yeah. About it. Yeah. But you know, we're also going to talk about the legacy of his dad during mm-hmm. Gene Centennial. Gene Roddenberry would have been 100 years old this year, which is really kind of mind blowing. If you think about it, yeah. um, because there's a lot to, to consider that Gene has left for us and in, in the form of quotes and, and Roddenberry's doing a lot with their think Trek campaign to celebrate Gene's 100th. But it's a, it's a conversation that, that I think is really kind of fascinating in a sense, Dan. It really is. We get to learn so much, uh, about, not only Rod himself, but his thought process and to what it was like to be involved in this family that is um, that has such high regard for just millions and millions of fans uh, across the world. So um, it, he's fantastic. Now you talk about time zones. We're here on the East Coast. He actually was, you know, having a hard time, you know, living the life in Hawaii at the time that we talked to him. So uh, we had some some time differences, but it all worked out. We had a great conversation and we are just so happy to be bringing it to all our listeners. We really are. It's uh, it's one we think you're going to enjoy and that's coming up in just a moment. Coming up now though, Dan, Folks may have uh, feedback or, or comments or questions on our conversation with Rod or any of our other you know, preceding 263 episodes. How might they route us that feedback, sir? We want to hear about how much you love Farkisms also. So so no. there's definitely a whole bunch of no. ways that you can get in touch with no, us. No, we don't. <laughs> we want to hear from you. And the best way to do that, actually, is to get yourself the Trek Geeks mobile app for your iOS or Android device. You can download it and then tap on the more button for a variety of ways to get in touch with Bill and I. And while you're at it, you can check out our brand new app exclusive shows that you won't be able to get anywhere else. Head to trekgeeks.com slash app to get all the details on where to find that uh, wonderful new uh, app. Plus, don't forget about the most positive Facebook group. Uh, it's called Camp Kittimer. It's the official Facebook group of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network on Facebook. We don't allow any trolling. We don't allow any gatekeeping. We hate that. We don't like it. We only want people celebrating what they love about Star Trek. So just search for Camp Kittimer. Answer a couple of questions. Be sure to answer the questions. It's very important. Uh, we'll let you right in. And we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark for the amazing job they do running that camp but please remember that in comments or messages that leaves on these places maybe you do this episode bill oh thank you i was i fell asleep <laughs> earlier talking it's the it's the <laughs> not this tone of your voice i know it's it just, it to me all the time you're welcome when i started thinking about hawaii you know, it's like oh <laughs> Dan, 
Dan, as always, we want to take this moment to thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. You know, they are hard at work on a bunch of stuff for the summer months, and especially the upcoming 55-year mission tour in Las Vegas in just under four weeks. Unbelievable. Only four weeks, just less than four weeks. It's awesome. That's right. And some of the stuff that they have lined up for the convention is simply going to blow your mind, folks. So uh, if you can't wait till then to get some glorious new Star Trek swag, then head on over to fansets.com and check out the surprise release that they had last week, the magnetic backed visitor pin from season one of Star Trek Picard. It's absolutely beautiful and it is ready to order over at fansets.com. And don't forget about the other new stuff that they have, like the section 31 Delta pin, as well as those gorgeous Star Trek anniversary pins. So you know what I'm going to say? Get on over to fansets.com, put that anniversary pin collection and the magnetic back visitor pin and a whole bunch of other pins and accessories in your cart. And at checkout, be sure to enter this week's special discount code word, Gene 100. That's G-E-N-E 100 in all capital letters with no spaces for 10% off your entire order. Now, this offer is going to be good until July 21st, 2021 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Plus, I mean, don't forget... When you spend more than 30 bucks at fansets.com, you will automatically get free shipping within the United States. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. There are just under four weeks to go less than a month dan one three four to las <laughs> good job thank you i'm so proud of you less than four weeks into las vegas and creation entertainment's 55 year mission tour and we're still here helping you get ready it's probably been a while since you've been to the con and dan we're gonna still help people with how to vegas successfully it's very important to vegas successfully especially when you're in vegas am i right that is right. I, I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm here all week, but um, I just want to say we can't do it alone. You and I cannot do this alone. We, we have to bring in someone who is known the world over as Mister Convention. It's Ron Robel. You can hear him laughing there. Um, he's the perfect person to bring into the conversation to give pointers on how to Vegas because, as Bill said, the convention is under four weeks from right now. Ron, how you doing, buddy? I am awesome. I'm going to have to change my Twitter handle to Mr. Convention, I think. I'm just <laughs> so excited. <laughs> you know, I look at your Twitter posts, and I think you really are the only person on the planet that is conceivably more excited than I am. And I didn't think that was possible, man. It's it's awesome. It's, it's infectious, and I love it. So keep doing it. Um, guys, this week we're going to talk about, well, what is there to do? Daytime edition. And that might seem like a simple question. But, but Ron, I think it's safe to say that the amount of things to do can be a little overwhelming. So I started my countdown for the convention a year out, and it is gone. When you get there, it's gone in the blink of an eye. I mean, it is seriously the fastest yeah. week that will go by. Um, so, yeah, plan ahead, plan ahead, have a plan. Now, I, Dan, I think the, the schedule comes out a few days before the con actually occurs. That's not a lot of time. No. Um, we don't get it well in advance to sort of plan out. So do you kind of have a plan of attack when you see the schedule or, or what's your, what do you do first? Nope. <laughs> and, 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 and that for the very reason that you just said, Bill, unfortunately, and I understand the reasoning, there is so much going on to get this schedule 
put out that it has to be basically at the last minute because they got stuff happening constantly. But it's a huge schedule. There is stuff going on just about in every area of the convention at all times. So it can be very overwhelming and it can be very tough to to schedule things that you want to do based on what else might be going on at the time during the day because like you said, it seems like it's easy to, to for what is there to do, but it can be very difficult to get to the things that you want to get based on other things that you want to do too because a lot of times there's collision. No, that's a great point. Ron, do you have a plan of attack when the schedule comes out? I do. I'm kind of OCD. So when the schedule comes out, I have spreadsheets. Um, the last couple of years, I'm hoping to do it this year. The schedule was on an app too called FanGuru. I know the yes, convention's right. on there, so I'm hoping the schedule goes on. Um, but there's, like Dan said, there's, I think, three different stages. And then there's off-site. There's stuff happening in the vendor's hall. There's ha- stuff happening in the rotunda. There's so much to do. It all conflicts. So it's a matter of triaging that schedule. And really, you can't be in all places at once. So I'll spend that night before the convention making some tough choices on what I plan to see. You know what? That's a great point because there are many times where there's been really cool panels in both the main auditorium and the secondary theater. And now there's the Roddenberry stage in Jimmy's Place Bar and Cafe, which is the former Quark's Bar. And and there is just a, a wealth of content in all of those places. Odds are there's going to be something you want to you want to do. Now, amid all of that, are things like photo ops and autographs. And there's a couple of different ways to do those. There's the creation way, Ron. And then there's pretty much people who just have set up shop in the dealer's room, right? Yep. And those are honestly the absolute best. You get some great one-on-one time with a lot of those folks. Um, You know, depending on what's happening in the main theater, the vendor's room can be very, very quiet. And you can get in and have a great conversation. Um, I had a really nice chat with Aaron Eisenberg last time. Um, and just, you really get that one-on-one time versus the autographs in the, that are set by creation of the photo ops. They're great, but they're fast. You only have a second or two with the celebrity, um, with the autograph. Sometimes there's no eye contact. I mean, they are really punching through these autographs as I would be too, if I was signing thousands of autographs one right after another. Um, but the vendors hall is so much fun because you get that one-on-one time. That's a, I that's have a- to agree with that hundred percent, Dan. Yeah, that's a great point, and and you're right. the 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 ones in the vendors' room are are awesome. But if there is anything that I do when the schedule first comes out, guys, it's I look at when the autographs and the photo ops are because you're paying for those most of the time in advance. You need to make sure that you know when those are, and chances are it's going to conflict with something that you really want to do. And in in my mind, I'm paying for an autograph or a photo op with a specific Star Trek person. I need to know when that is because I'm not going to miss it. Well, and that's true. You will see on the screen, the, the big screen TVs they have set up in the main theater when they are calling certain specific autographs and photo ops. But those are the creation sold right. tickets only. Um, if you haven't done the con before, the autographs usually take place right in the main theater on either side of the stage, which seems like it might be chaotic. And at times, Ron, it kind of is. It is. I had I generally get my copper seats and I'm right on the end. And you can hear everyone getting the autographs on the side. Um, but it's also a lot of fun if you're waiting in line for one of those autographs. You don't have to miss the panels that are happening in the main theater. Um, and <laughs> Bill, you mentioned those big TV screens. I would say pay attention to those. I think everyone remembers in 2018, we were all promised this really big announcement. And a lot of folks sat it out and did not get to see Patrick Stewart when he came out to make a very big announcement. Um, so you never know what you're going to see on those big screens, but pay lots of attention. 
Well, it's amazing because we had been in the dealer's room and in the secondary theater just before that. And someone came up to us and said, hey, you're going to want to be in the main stage. So we said, okay, well, Kurtzman's going to be there. What's going to happen now? And we sat there and like everybody else, we were reduced to a pile of tears. Yes. But it all came because... Um, somebody told us to be in the right place at the right time. So uh, sometimes things like that do happen at the con, and it's good to keep your ear to the ground, Dan. Yeah, it absolutely is. You never know what is going to happen. There can be surprises that aren't planned at any time, and and uh, if somebody has an idea of what's happening and they and they make mention to it, probably a good chance that it's going to be uh, a real event happening. So uh, yeah, definitely. Now, I will say that some of the bigger panels usually happen after lunch. Um, I've noticed that earlier in the morning at some of the more group discussions, at some of the more guest star discussions, but after lunch is typically when you get headliners for the most part. Of course, there are exceptions to that rule, but late afternoon toward the end of programming for the day, Ron, seems to really be the sweet spot for big name panels. I agree. And some of the funnest panels happen, not even panels, but things happen later in the evening. Um, the gale of the Rat Pack. I didn't make it to the Rat Pack my first year, but it was earlier last year, 2019. So much fun. I'm definitely not something you want to miss. So hang around lunch, I find too, is kind of a challenge because like we said, there's always something happening. And if you don't plan ahead, a lot of those lunch places are quite a height from the convention hall. Um, so yeah. you know, plan ahead, find that little hole in the schedule where you can run to grab something really quick to eat because you right. want to take that chance. Well, and the ability to recharge during the con is, is kind of key. Sometimes you need to step away and say, you know what? I need to take a break from all this because it is a little bit of overload, Dan. And, um, and that's probably not the worst time to do it. No, it really isn't. And, and it is needed. You need to take care of yourself. I know um, in the past, I've been told one of the things to do is if you want to still be around to see things, put some granola bars in a backpack or some small snacks so that you can have something while you're sitting there um, waiting for something to happen. Um, but yeah, you definitely got to take care of yourself. You do want to have that time to unwind before you get back in, into the fray and, and have a blast. Well, it is going to be a blast. It's amazing to think that we're less than four weeks out. Oh my God. Um, but next time when we reconvene guys, we're going to talk about stuff to do at night because Vegas is its own animal and there's still no shortage of things to do until then. Everybody get on over to creationent.com, get all the con info, get your tickets and, and get ready because it's just going to be an amazing week. Folks, if you haven't checked out the Galaxy's first interactive Tribble from Science Division, then I got to tell you, first of all, why? And second, you're really missing out. You really are. I mean, this officially licensed Tribble is the most amazing high-quality Star Trek collectible, and we know you're going to be proud to add it to your collection. You and I both have one, Dan, and we love our Tribbles. Mine's sitting on my desk right there. I mean, I could see it. I've had to turn it off so it doesn't start you know, yelling at your voice when it hears it during the recording um, because it wants to do that. It thinks you're Klingon. I don't know what's going on. But so much work and creativity went into creating this Tribble right down to the softest fur you can imagine. Plus, I mean, the sounds straight out of the trouble with Tribbles. You're going to swear this Tribble was delivered straight to your door right from Space Station K7, Dan. Yeah, plus the Science Division Tribble has its own app that you can use to control the Tribble. Bill was just talking about it. It's not necessary, but it is a lot of fun uh, to make it scream at people. That's what Bill was talking about, uh, like annoying podcast co-hosts like me or Bill. I'll let you choose. But fret not, everyone knows except Bill that that's right. You guessed it. 
triples aren't dangerous. Oh, thank God. I was really worried that they might they're be. They're not dangerous, oh. Bill. Come on now. <laughs> you son of a... Well, head on over to sciencediv.com right now to pick up one of the Galaxy's first interactive triples for your very own. Plus, while you're there, check out their new and improved shop accessory section where you can get all kinds of Science Division swag, like t-shirts and mugs, or even the legendary... Legendary? The legendary Science Division tote bag of holding. Science Division. No, no. Let's try it again. Science division. I was just kind of playing on you there. Yeah. Troubles, <laughs> troubles never been this fun or have spots like this. And we thank our friends at science division for sponsoring this week's episode. That's all staying in. Yep. <laughs> if you're looking for some great Star Trek t-shirts or even some other gear to add to your life, then be sure to check out the Trek Geek store on T public. In addition to our own merchandise, you can directly access all of the officially licensed shirts on the TeePublic platform just by going to shop.trekgeeks.com. And when you use that link, you're automatically helping to support the Trek Geeks podcast network with every purchase, whether it's from our store or not. With over 150 designs available and new merchandise being added all the time, you're bound to find something perfect for the next Trek Tuesday. Plus, TeePublic constantly has special sales and discounts going on, so you'll want to check back often, like maybe even today. It all starts by going to the Trek Geek shop today at shop.trekgeeks.com. You know, over the years, we've been so fortunate to have so many wonderful people associated with Star Trek as guests on this show. Every one of the discussions we've had are ones that both Bill and I will always treasure. They're moments we'll never forget. But we've never had the opportunity to have what we call Star Trek royalty here on the podcast until today. This man is an executive producer of Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, and Star Trek Lower Decks. His documentary, Trek Nation, captured his 10-year journey to explore his father's life, and the journey inspired him to embrace the vision Gene Roddenberry had for the future, which he expressed through the founding of the Roddenberry Foundation in 2010. He's the chief executive officer of Roddenberry Entertainment, which builds on Gene's work and continues to pioneer the development of science fiction uh, portfolios that incorporates graphic novels, comics, television, film, and podcasts, such as the one our dear friends John Champion and Norman Lau host. Of course, I refer to Mission Log. He is the son of the great bird of the galaxy. He is Rod Roddenberry. And Rod, to say that it's an honor to have you here with us is an understatement of biblical proportions. Welcome to Trek Geeks. You guys are uh, are, are way too... Uh... <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Kind's the word, but uh, thank you so much for that uh, incredible introduction. If you could please send it to me through email, I'd like to send that out to anyone else interviewing me in the future, uh, because my head is going to blow up quite big. You're uh, going to send it to intro. Thank you, guys. Everybody at Roddenberry.com. Who are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Rod. First things first. This is a question that we've started to ask since last year because I mean we live in a different world now. So how are you? How are those close to you? Is everybody safe and healthy? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm incredibly fortunate in many ways. And, and everyone uh, close to me is, is safe and healthy. Uh, friends from high school, of course, family, uh, distant family. Um, I'm, I'm very fortunate that uh, uh, while I've heard stories and there are some people who have not had it as well, I, I'm, I'm very lucky. But thank you for asking. 
That's that's awesome to hear. Now, now, of course, the last year and a half has been very strange, but is it strange to think that your dad would be 100 years old this year? It is strange. Um, but, you know, then I remember that I'm 47 years old. And even though my maturity level is probably still caught in the low 20s, maybe not even that, <laughs> uh, it, it, that, that, that is the strangest part. I, you know, I, I still keep thinking, what am I going to do when I grow up? And the answer is still, I don't know. Um, so, but yeah, no, a hundred years, a century is pretty yeah. incredible uh, for anyone. And of course, uh, it, it, I have a, a personal connection, obviously, but for my dad, it's, it's, even, it's even more. I, I, I don't know what he would have thought about the last 25 years. I'd be curious to know. Yeah, I think a lot of people would be. Honestly, I met your dad in New Hampshire in 1983, it was in between the Wrath of Khan and the Search for Spock, and he was on his lecture tour. Mm-hmm. And he showed up at Laconia High School, which is a, a city on uh, Lake Winnipesaukee, the largest mm-hmm. lake in in New Hampshire. And you know, he he showed the the blooper reel from the original series, which was pretty much stock for him back then. Answered a lot of questions, spoiled the fact that Spock was coming back in the Search for Spock. But at the <laughs> end of the lecture, I mean, I think I was all of I was 13 at the time. I, you know, he was down by the lip of the stage, you know, in front of the first row of seats. And he was immediately surrounded by kids my age. And they were all kids, Rod. They yeah. were 12, 13, 14, 15, all of yeah. whom had grown up on the original series. And so I, I summoned up the nerve to ask him a question. I said, do you really think that we'll have the kinds of technology that, that you, you created for Star Trek? And he stopped and he looked at me and goes, well, sure I do. Don't you? He's like, because your generation is going to be the one that creates it. And that's pretty yeah. exciting. And I, you know, I'm, I'm 50, I'll be 52 this year. I have never forgotten that in all of my years. Um, and it always marveled to me how, how much he thought ahead. You know, it, it's been 10 years since, since sort of Trek Nation came out. Um, what have you learned about your dad and, and about fandom since that time um, about his, his, forward thinking about his philosophy or, or maybe even about yourself? Well, you know, I'm going to, I guess I'm going to talk about uh, two things, uh, although I'll probably forget the second one when I start talking about the first one. Um, one thing that we really started doing with the uh, 50th anniversary, which uh, only relates to your question because it's when I started thinking about some things differently in terms of my father. Um, and it, it, it correlates perfectly. You know, my father definitely was call it a, a visionary futurist. Some of those words are a little too big, but sure. definitely a, a forward thinker. Um, and he often, you know, I think thought about uh, what 50 years ago seemed absurd. That is commonplace today. You know, whether it was fashion, drugs, politics, marriage, sex, religion, all these things, what, what 50 years ago or even 100 years ago, well, people would have, you know, uh, thrown us out of their house because we would have said that are commonplace today. What seems ridiculous today that 50 or 100 years will be commonplace? And I think my father was able to live in that future and sort of ask himself that question anytime there was a social issue or or something on politics or or television, I'm sorry, that came up that had to do with politics, religion or whatever. I think he really lived in that future. So so he was able to just kind of look at the absurdity of why people were were judging people on skin color or, or the social issues that we had. 
certainly in the in the uh, 60s, 70s, and well, I would say sadly all the way up through today. Um, and that was sort of a new way for me to define or sort of look at my father and look at other people who sort of see the world that way. And I'd like to think, well, I don't always do it. I every now and then will stop and 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 kind of hopefully recognize my judgment of ideas, people, or things. And will 50 years ago, my son look at me like an arcane idiot for thinking that was too too uh, absurd or progressive? Um, so, so that was sort of a, a fun new way to look at things that I've kind of been doing for the past five, six years. Um, and I and I really. I really appreciate uh, that. You know, another thing that I've learned about my father's, I wouldn't say that I've learned about him. I I guess I I always, I've been learning about Star Trek my whole life and it has been an evolution. And I'd say for pockets, maybe five or 10 years at a time, I get kind of stuck in a certain view. And uh, maybe this is maybe what I've learned about myself. Damn it. Um, you know, I used to sort of see Star Trek in one way. And and part of me still does, you know, like the original series, the original series. And that's, you know, uh, sort of the the blueprint of what Star Trek was. I've always seen Next Generation as a, I mean, a perfect growth of my father. You started with Kirk, who yeah. was sort of a cowboy and got the girl and was willing to throw a, a, a punch and, and all that. He was he was willing to, to, to go to the mat uh, for certain things. And then you've got Picard, who's more of a diplomat. And uh, that, that showed exactly who my father was. You know, my father fought in World War II. I'm not sure he was the one to throw the, 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 the punch first, but he, I'm sure he certainly was more than happy to throw one back if one was thrown at him. Um, but as he became older, 25 years later, 30 years later, he became more of the diplomat. You know, there's, we should reason before we, we, there's no reason to fight. We should always use logic uh, uh, and reason to, to solve our differences. And, um, that was, that was something I really sort of enjoyed seeing in him. And it made me wonder, uh, and I don't want to get into politics. I, I was yep. not a fan of our former president and, uh, even I would jump to what a jerk, what an idiot. He's so stupid. Da, 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 da. And it's, it was a struggle for the past four or five years now to, to, try to step back and try to see it from another point of view. And I'd love to have known, heard my father speak about that. Um, would he have been like, this guy's a freaking idiot or I do not agree with this person. However, these are the points I do agree with. And, and this is the, this is the idic of it. This is the appreciation of diversity because I find right. myself today and I, I'm not going to say it just because I don't want to have you guys get hate mail and people are welcome to send me hate mail. Um, I still find myself judging people in those situations based on the 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 the, the caliber, the merit, the the kind of person that that former president was, and I, I can't do that. It's it's because it, it's a hypocritical thing. Because I walk around saying "idic," you know, appreciate all ideas that are different, even the ones you don't agree with. Doesn't mean you right. have to agree with them. Right. Just just try right. to understand them and appreciate them. And I find myself judging faster than I appreciate. So anyhow, that, that, sorry, that was my spiel. Um, but that's that's been a, a interesting to think about. It's it's like you read our questions because you, it's it <laughs> leads into my next question perfectly, Rod. And that's it's been fifty five years since your dad created Star Trek and had his vision of what humanity would be like in the twenty third century. 
It's been 30 years since he passed away. Do you think he would be disappointed in how humanity seems to take small steps forward only to take huge steps backwards? We still have huge social issues with, you know, Mm -hmm. social injustice and mass shootings and political issues like you just touched upon. And what do you think about where we are now based on on where we were then? So what what do you think your dad would say and, and, and kind of talk a little bit more about what you think? I can really only speculate on my father for the most part. I mean, obviously, um, my first reaction would say uh, again, that he was a progressive thinker. He wanted inclusion, not exclusion. He saw the world together without borders. Um, he saw the future that way, but he was also very practical. And I think he has an ability that I, I do not think I have, and I don't know if I will, but to step further back out and look at the bigger picture. And I think he might say, because even in Star Trek, they talked about a World War III. And of course, none of us want that. But even him talked, even he talked about us yeah. having to go through our challenges. So would mm-hmm. he be disappointed in where we are today? I, I, I don't think so, because I think he would just... Uh, say that that is part of our learning. These are the mistakes that we are gonna have to make. We're gonna have to continue to make mistakes. I, I pray, even though I'm not religious, but for this thing I pray that we do not have a World War III. Um, but I think he would look at it that way. He would say, you know what? Humans have been doing dumb things for a long time, but that's how we learn. That's, we gotta make mistakes. And again, I know we may differ politically on things and I don't mean to attribute politics and say that was a dumb thing, but we are just in general doing dumb things, all of us. So uh, that's how we're going to learn. And so um, I do not think he would be disappointed, but I'm sure he would hope for more. And, and I think if you ask, that's what that's what I, I hope for. And I would love to say I strive every day. Sometimes uh, I need someone around me to slap me in the face. And people have called me out because I'll, I'll, I'll get into my personal feelings on social political issues and and I've been called out which is great because I need to step back and and be a little bit more broad in my perspective. I think that's something that would serve us all pretty well. I mean as you've been talking I'm thinking about you know so now that I'm in my 50s how do I look at the world differently than I did 5 10 20 yeah, years ago. Yeah. And it, it's it's very much what you describe. I have to purposefully take a step back now and think about not only how I'm going to respond, but how does it fit the way I see the world today? It's easy mm-hmm. for me to get upset, but what's harder it is to actually come up with something that provides some kind of solution. And I think yeah. that that's where we as humans fall short. No, I mean, none of us is as dumb as all of us is, is the phrase I've heard all my life. Yes, that's well and, said. and I think that, that that pretty much sums up what you were going to say. Dan, I think you were going to say something. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I got a question for, for how you deal with things specifically, Rod. Now, of course, all these things are happening. And, I'm, and as with everybody, you probably get irritated at some stuff that's going on and, mm-hmm. and you have a strong stance about it. Do you feel that sometimes you're pigeonholed because of who you are, that somebody's going to come up to, well, that's not that's not Star Trek or that's not Idic that you talked about earlier. Do you find yourself falling into situations like that more often than not? And how do you handle something like that? That's a good question. I, I don't, yeah. Pigeonhole. Y- yes. And also, I don't know if this, I mean, this fits in that general area. I, I obviously have my own thoughts and beliefs on things. And I think they're very much in line with 
the Roddenberry, as I call it, or Gene Roddenberry vision of the future. I, I, uh, I think we would, for the most part, be on the same page. However, I sometimes feel that my thoughts are more extreme, and I don't want to use the word like extreme, like extremist, but I mean, um, I do get very bent out of shape when I hear of racial issues or things like this happening, like just, just angry, like how stupid are we? Um, to, to do this sort of stuff based on literally skin color. Um, and the fact that, and right now we've got the cancel culture going on and things like that. And I feel like sometimes I can see both sides of that and, and, and should we take down these statues and that statue? It, I, I, I think when I take a moment, I can try to see both sides of that. I'm all about progress and moving forward and change. And I love change. So, so changing things are great, but then there's so much misinformation and disinformation out there. Certain books are being taken out of high school's classics and stuff like that, except not really. Some places are, some places aren't. None of us, I feel like, really know what's going on. Someone says something, it gets hyped, people get bent out of shape, and it becomes a thing. So so are all the classics being ripped out of all the schools and children aren't getting to to read the To Kill a Mockingbird and stuff like that? I, I actually don't, I'm sure it's happened some places, but I don't think that's the norm. Um, should we have those books in school? Well, as long as the context around reading it is taught, absolutely, I think. I mean, but you could even take that discussion to the statues up there. As long as the context is understood about that statue and who that person was and what they did and what was not accepted, but the norm of the time, is that okay? In the original series, 1960, well, 65, 66 of Star Trek, first episode, there's a scene mm-hmm. where a, a, a female yeoman, I think, walks down the hallway and the security guy's like, check her out. And they say, hey, they make some sort of comment like, hey, I, I'd like to tap that. Or they say something. It's not that, right. that rude. That was the norm. I don't know about socially acceptable. That was the norm. Is that okay? Or is it is it okay to call it out? I think all <laughs> of that is a yes and no. As long as we keep our emotions in check and we can have that conversation, Sure. Should we should we cancel Star Trek because it it on some level <laughs> degraded women in the skimpy outfits? I don't think we should cancel Star Trek, but do I think it's okay for someone to say, you know what, that wasn't okay then and it's not okay now? Sure, I fine. I'm I'm not going to disagree with you, um, but I'm also a guy and I love the female body and the female form, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that either, as long as I don't act inappropriately on those thoughts and feelings. So it's it's a very complicated time right now. Um, I, I think I think that the, the stepping back and thinking is the most important, which we all, including myself, have trouble with. You know, even with my son. My son, an incredible kid, but any of you with children out there, they push your buttons, and I respond like I'm a little kid. He'll do something like childish, and then I will respond in a childish way, thinking he's attacking me, and then feel like an idiot because he's seven. He's seven. <laughs> He's not attacking me. So, oh, sorry. You get, I just, I just, I think I just had 10 minutes of therapy with you guys. Thank you. <laughs> We're like on so many levels. Right? Yeah. Well, that's okay. Wait till you get the bill. I mean, yeah, um, no because <laughs> uh, Dan's not cheap. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, you know, oftentimes, you know, for years I've heard the phrase Gene's vision and it's mm-hmm. always, you know, Gene's vision, this Gene's vision, that as as sort of the two word description of what your dad created. And it's gotten to the point where over the years I've inserted a trademark symbol 
next to Gene's vision whenever I <laughs> reference it online and social media. Now, I ask this not to be sensational, and I'm not attempting to be adversarial at all. But do we, and by we, I mean fandom as a whole, mm -hmm. or for the mm -hmm. most part, do we romanticize the idea of Gene's vision in air quotes just a little too much? Yeah, it's a very interesting uh, uh, question. And, I, and I, I, I wrestled with that when I was doing Trek Nation, or at least a version of that, that was one of those like uh, realization moments where how much of what we know as Star Trek today is actually really in Star Trek or how much of it have we, the fans, uh, taken and kind of made from it. The, the, the Gene Roddenberry philosophy, um, while my father did have his, his ideas on humanity and he wanted to point out social issues, you can even see that in uh, The Lieutenant and I, I Have Gun Will Travel. I mean, it's certainly, there was intention there I wonder how much of it, again, I'm just saying we as fans, because I think all right. of us Star Trek fans, a family, have have uh, built upon that and, and made, grown beyond what the original intent of Star Trek was. Um, it, it's, a, it's a very good question. I, I do think that we have, but I think we've done it everywhere. Um, I mean, frankly, right. every, I mean, religion is a mm -hmm. perfect example, but there's many stories, books, ideologies out there that uh, we've interpreted and, and kind of interpreted into our own language and kind of grown by ourselves. So um, I don't know how much, I don't know how to quantify that, but absolutely. I think we have sensationalized, taken the ideas, the philosophies of Star Trek. I am one of the best people at it because I say the Gene Roddenberry <laughs> philosophy or the Roddenberry philosophy. Um, right. I have very strong opinions on, on what that is and, and what is and isn't Star Trek. Um, so yeah, I think a good on, but I also don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, at least sure. for Star Trek. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think we're all trying, we're all aiming for that united future where we no longer, uh, fight and, 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 and fear the difference and uniqueness between us. We thirst and crave for it. In fact, we're out in the universe and galaxy searching for unique ideas and forms. Um, so I, I guess I'm okay with, but yes, it's a fascinating thought. And I think we we have we, we are creators of Star Trek. Uh, I don't want to say as much as, but in some ways, as much as uh, the the actual creators of Star Trek. I think it's almost an idic thing to some extent because I think that what I look at and see of the aspects of Gene's vision, or as you put it, you know, the Roddenberry philosophy. I think mm -hmm. that I I may take different things away from it than say what Dan does or mm -hmm. what you know the Star Trek fan down the street might. Because I think that there's something that speaks to all of us maybe a little differently. I think it's mm -hmm. become a very personal thing. I don't want to say like a religion because I just, I don't believe in that. But I think that it affects people that profoundly. I think that it's had that kind of effect on lives to the point where pe people assume an ownership of what that philosophy mm -hmm. means to them. And I think that that's where, I think that's what it comes down to, honestly. Um, at least yeah. I know that's that's what it does for me. I mean, we probably wouldn't be podcasting if if we didn't feel like we had something to say or, or something to do with regard to, and I, as much as I hate using the phrase, I'm going to use it, Gene's vision. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I, I, it's it's funny that you put it in that context because you, you you kind of are are telling me what I have kind of always thought on my own. 
And it, it tells me that, uh, well, for a while, I th- felt like I was on an island. I felt like I must be the only Star Trek fan that thinks this. Right, you know? right. It's, it's kind of weird. No, I, I think anyone who takes a moment and does think about it uh, and really kind of has that, again, step back, broader approach to it, um, yeah. will kind of realize that. But again, it's hard to, to quantify that. And it, and it fits in another area for me where um, I, I, I I talked about the original series in Next Generation and Next Generation was my baby, sort of the, the, the series that I grew up with. And that, in my opinion, showed us as who we could be one day not just technologically, but as individuals working together on a, on a, on a, on a, on a ship and, and not letting our egos getting in the way. Yes, there's still a chain of command. There's still a captain and the captain still has final say, but the captain truly listens to the wisdom and the expertise of those around him or her. And uh, I loved that family on the deck of the Enterprise D uh, where they really worked together. And it wasn't about anyone having to be right. It was, the, the captain got all these sources of information and then made a, a good decision. Um, then, then you know, uh, Deep Space Nine came out, and that was a whole different dynamic. And it's been it's been a bit of a struggle for me to s- I don't want to say see that as Star Trek. It certainly is Star Trek, but see it as the Star Trek that I love. When you've got human characters bickering and arguing and fighting, and they're in the future. That doesn't show me a better humanity. That shows me who we are today. And as an audience member, that's easier to identify with because when a character does something uh, as a reaction and it's and it's uh, potentially harmful, I mean, we've all done things that we regret or that we don't like about ourselves. And so it's easy to identify with those characters than it is these other characters who are, I would argue, more intellectually advanced than we are. So um, it's it's. If anything, over the last, uh, well, uh, 30 years, it's been a nice challenge and growth for me to see the different ways Star Trek can exist out there and the different perspectives on it. So what I'm hearing is um, if if your dad was involved in Deep Space Nine, Captain Sisko might not have poisoned an entire planet just to piss somebody off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, there's there, And those are, the, those are the things that I'm talking about. Yeah. Those are exactly the things where regardless of circumstance the captain always does hopefully what's ethically correct but even sometimes what's ethically correct is open to some sort of interpretation right that actually that actually brings me to another question uh rod in terms of star trek discovery of course you being an executive producer on star trek discovery in season three we saw Earth completely shut down its borders, put up a defense grid. They became kind of xenophobic in a way because of the burn and what was going on. How do you put that context of the storyline that took place for that season in with what Bill has been using with air quotes, the gene vision type of thing? Because I, for one, thought it was when I first saw it, I was like, wow, that just seems not like something that we would be used to seeing in Star Trek. But on the other hand, as you've been talking about, it's a whole growth thing of what your dad thought and what humanity would become. What are your thoughts on what happened with that? You know, uh, it's it's a great point. Um, I'm like a lot of fans. I, you know, I fell in love with my next generation. I'm still in love with my next generation. And uh, I, I don't, I, by no means is that the, the, the only Star Trek there is out there. There are certainly tons of room for more Star Trek. However, to jump 800 years into the future, or is it 900? I can't remember now. Um, it's one of those. 
It's one of those. <laughs> and uh, you've got this thing that happened that somehow destroyed all warp capable, or at least all most dilithium. Um, and now there's 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 pillaging and and ransacking, and 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 now Earth had to like just as you just said cocoon itself. Uh, it, at first, it was shocking. It was definitely shocking. At first, I was like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel good about this. I don't, I don't like this idea. I don't. I mean, you know, that was just sort of the first reaction, and uh, I, I don't like the idea of a Starfleet and Federation not existing. Of when when I first first heard about it, I didn't really know too much of the background, and so the idea that the Federation or Starfleet had failed turned my stomach in knots. Um, but the explanation as to why it didn't fail, but it had to, uh, it got cut back, mm -hmm. um, made more sense. And I was able to justify it with that reason. And I think season three did uh, air quotes, justify the Federation no longer being fully intact, the ethics, the morals, everything was still in the Federation. It was still there. It just wasn't able to reach as far out as it did. Mm -hmm. And so it had to dial itself back. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's the way I was able to, to rationalize it. And, and I was fine with that. And not only that, I mean, I, season three was my favorite season so, so far. So awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, to have them come down to planets and, and make those sort of ethical decisions. I will not kill you no matter how bad you are. Uh, even if you did take a life, even if you did do this, this is not an eye for an eye. We do not live in that mentality anymore. That is Star Trek. And there were a number of scenes and episodes that had that throughout the entire episode. And I absolutely loved it and appreciated it. And uh, I, I couldn't be more appreciative to the, to the writers and the producers and everyone who's, who's made uh, discovery. I mean, each year I think it's gone up. And I think often Great. it's sometimes the other way. You start strong and it goes down. Yeah. So um, I, I'm I'm very proud to be a part of that series. You know, one of the things that really impressed me about season three is, you know, these days with the way television is constructed, you expect there to be a big bad villain at the end, and we had that a little bit with with the chain. But um, Sukal wasn't a villain. He wasn't a big bad uh, at the center yeah. of the burn. He was a, a child. He was yeah. a child that went through the greatest pain that a child that young can experience. The, the death of a parent in front of your eyes. And when yeah. you realize that it was his grief that caused the burn, it really puts everything in a whole new light. And I really, I was blown away by that reveal because I was expecting something, I, I hate to say it, a little more cliched. Yeah. Um, do you think that your father would recognize what we see today on, on Paramount Plus as, as Star Trek, as Star Trek? You know, it, this is very similar to the question that we started off with. And uh, yeah, because yeah, I think my father could step back. I, listen, I think he'd have issues with certain scenes. Sure. I think he'd have mm -hmm. certain issues with certain character behaviors. Um, uh, the, the, the science of the, the quantum entanglement causing every dilithium. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to go there. Um, <laughs> but but the, the overall characterization of the, the season... And the idea that this, this one, again, as you said, child, well, because of grief, because didn't know better, was in yeah. a, lived in his own universe, had no concept of normal reality, mm -hmm. uh, or at least 
yeah, no concept of normal reality. Sure, he was educated by the by the holograms and all that, but but really had no education of the outside world um, or awareness. Uh, I think that was very believable in that in that construct, and I think they did a great job uh, uh, with that. Um, and and having to explain why all almost all dilithium was was uh, destroyed. I, so, I do have to um, say. By the way, thank you for all the spoilers on Strange New Worlds before we started recording. Um, yeah, we're just going to sure. mine the internet with that stuff. No, I'm Please, kidding. yes, I'm yes. Kidding. I told you everything. <laughs> I told you everything. Uh, no, um, I remember, um, you know, Anson Mount was uh, phenomenal in season two. I, I, yeah. I will say this with pride and, and everyone can argue and be mad at me. Uh, Picard has always been sort of my favorite captain. And I always said Kirk was number two. Uh, but I, I, I now I now have we've got to see Strange New World. But Picard is still number one. Uh, Anson Mount Pike is definitely number two. And um, uh, uh, oh god, oh god, why am I being an idiot? Uh, uh, That's usually my job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who who was? Oh my god, who was captain of the Discovery during all of season three? Uh, the alien guy. Saru. Why am I? Saru. Saru. I was saying, I was saying Subal. All right. Saru. God. Um, <laughs> Saru is actually my number three now. Nice. He was a fantastic captain. Yes, he was. And, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Kirk, I'm sorry. Kirk is not, not a bad guy. He's just nope. dated and good for his time. Um, but in terms of ships that I would rather be on those first three ships, I think I would live a lot longer on before I got on the original Enterprise. Because mm -hmm. after Kirk slept with enough of those alien daughters and women, <laughs> there would have been some angry aliens chasing it, I'm sure. It's it's really funny that you you talk about about Pike and 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 Saru, because I'll tell you, um Anson Mount became probably our favorite captain after season two. I mean, mm -hmm. we both talked about it on, yeah. on the show about how amazing Anson was. And I think it's a perfect example of something that happened similar to in the late 60s when the writing campaign and everything to keep Star Trek going for a third season. So many people just kept talking about how awesome Pike and, and number yeah. one and, and Ethan was at Spock that now we're getting another show, another Star yeah. Trek, which is just fantastic. Yeah. But um, I want to kind of quickly say one of the things that I love about Discovery so much, and you touched on it, Rod, a little while ago about the writing staff and everybody. They do things in Discovery and Picard and Lower Decks also, but specifically for Discovery of things that I have wanted to see my entire life, even as dark as it could be. I have wanted to see the accident of, with Captain Pike since I was like five years old. And to mm -hmm. be able to have the writing staff do that, I was weeping. I was so excited when you I saw this. I'd have issues, but it was something I've wanted to see so long. So I think it's just a credit, again, like you said, to the writing staff. Yeah, they, they've they've done a great job of of really uh, filling in those blanks, mm -hmm. filling in those stories, uh, and in doing it, I, you know, I th there, I have issues. We all have our, our things that we can pick out, but in yep. terms of them, uh, I don't want to say retconning, but at least going back and explaining how certain things became the way mm -hmm. they are, I think they've nailed it just about every time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't say perfect. Nothing's perfect, but I think they've nailed it. There, there aren't things where I'm like, no, you've just ruined, <laughs> you know, this whole <laughs> timeline because you didn't take into account this. I'm sure if you want to be nitpicky, you could pick little <laughs> things out, but uh, they, they've done an incredible job. They care. Every, it's, it's every, what I love track, every track has episodes that we as fans go, yeesh. 
<laughs> you know, it, it, it's 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 going to happen. It happened in the original series. It happened in yeah. it happened in next gen. I mean, you look at the first half of season one, and I'm I'm going to be honest, it's rough. Yeah, you know, but it it becomes legendary. It becomes something that we love and cherish, like all Star Trek shows do. Mm-hmm. Um, so we spent a lot of time considering legacy and, and views on your dad, but but I mean, this is a year to celebrate because your dad would have been 100 years old, yeah. which is is yeah. pretty damned amazing. Um, I, I know that you know Roddenberry on social media has been doing a lot up for Gene Centennial, especially with Think Trek. And what was yeah. kind of the the thought behind that and the impetus? Well, of course, anyone listening to this, please do the uh, the the hashtag Think Trek, and we've got a number of campaigns. We've got Make Trek, we've got I think C Trek. Oh, we've got so, B yeah. Trek. Anyhow, all of those hashtags are out there, and uh, there's a lot of fun things going on. Um, I, I don't really know. I don't remember your question, but uh, I, I've been really excited. We, we've got a hundred, the hundred quotes of Gene Roddenberry. And that is, uh, I've, I've read a lot of speeches. I've, I've seen videos, I've heard audio and, you know, my, my father's, it's been impressive. I remember hearing an audio clip that my father did. I feel like in the seventies at some sort of uh, uh, university and he was talking about, so my father didn't create these things. My father was like any intelligent human being, went around and spoke to the people who are at the forefront of their field. I mean, if you've read the book right. by Stephen Whitfield, um, The Making of Star Trek, he would correspond with people at Caltech and JPL. Mm-hmm. And this is the worst example ever, because I'm not sure if I'm making this up or if this was in there, but things like this were, where he would talk to them about well, we need a weapon that's on lethal. Uh, what do you have? And they're like, well, we've got the laser already, but we're working on the phasing laser. And that's where the phaser came from. And so he was able to extrapolate or, or use the knowledge of these scientists and other people in their field to extrapolate and kind of say, what is possible? What might be the next thing or, or a few generations down the road? Um, and so, I mean, I, I don't want to take credit away from my father. He was just a smart man who talked to people who knew more about him in those fields and was able to uh, integrate that into the show. Um, the, the, the part about uh, ThinkTrek that is awesome, these quotes are quotes that he, it's not that he came up with, just things that he said, but that are very forward thinking. They're like what we were discussing earlier. It's, if you think about the mindset of what will things be 50 years from now that, that seem absurd today, I mean, that's the kind of mindset that he had. And so we've got a podcast that talks about each one of these quotes. Listen, some quotes are winners and some <laughs> quotes are like, well, Bill, yeah, okay. You just said like <laughs> humans are good. Well, okay. That's, I wouldn't say that's, that's as powerful and, and resounding as we want it to be, but um, uh, we do have a hundred of them out there. Most of them are pretty damn good. We've got a great podcast and, and we've been able to find a number of celebrities and, and people, uh, yeah who are uh, in the, the, the entertainment uh, technology world to, to, to share them. And I think they are important and good bites for us to think about. Um, we also have uh, the Lego campaign. Oh, sorry, I'm not allowed to say Lego. The block brick, something The block. brick campaign? Mega block. Mega, well, I don't, mega block uh, is also a brand. Building oh, block. Boy. The brick building. There you go. <laughs> well, anyhow, <laughs> you've got the brick building campaign. Um, where a uh, gentleman who was on Lego Masters, I, I said the name because it's a show. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it, we got a hold of him and he does incredible things with yeah. Lego. And, and if you go online, we've got a few of them out. We're releasing four of them this year. 
Um, but they're all focused around my father and the Idic philosophy and humanity and diversity. Um, and, uh, and that's cool. Um, I, as a matter of fact, I just saw the video for the, uh, Idic one that he did that was on yeah. Star Trek.com that day. Absolutely amazing. amazing. Absolutely. It is. Amazing. Yeah. It's yeah. incredible what he does. Uh, we're of course going to go to Vegas this year and like everyone, things have been challenging in terms of getting out in the real world and what's going to happen and what's not going to happen and and uh, and the new uh, uh, variants of COVID and stuff like that. The, the plan right now is to to be at the Vegas convention, uh, which is uh, August 11th through 15th. And, um, you know, the, the, the hope is, is that everyone has been vaccinated. Um, we'll be out there and we'll have a, hopefully the Roddenberry stage again with our own programming and content. Mm -hmm. And we'll be celebrating uh, Gene's life and Star Trek and fandom the whole weekend long. And then of course, on August 19th, uh, we're going to be doing something and it's I'm, I'm being a little quiet about it because it's a little hush hush. And also because I'm not 100% sure about everything that's going on. So uh, but that is his actual birthday, August 19th, and uh, we will be uh, recognizing him and celebrating him on that day for sure. Is it because it's the birthday of Jonathan Frakes and Diana Waldauer? Is that yes. why you're being hush-hush? <laughs> That's exactly, exactly why. <laughs> yes. You know, it, it's it, it's funny, you know, on that day, I intend to raise a glass, and I know yes. Dan will too. We'll be in Vegas. I've actually had some conversations with John Champion about the Roddenberry stage and some things that he and I are cooking up, of course, as co-hosts of Lido Deck, a Love Boat podcast, <laughs> which has- I love uh, it when they do that, yep. Yeah, yeah, you, we're, uh, we're two of the co-conspirators right here, um, but- one thing that Dan has been saying now for over a year, and I've heard him say it so many times that, you know, I almost know when he's firing up to say it is that this is probably the best time in history to be a Star Trek fan. Do you agree? I haven't thought about that. I would, I do not want to say no, but I'm trying to justify an answer of yes. I can't think why it's a bad one. I'd love to hear your reason why you think it's, it's uh, one of the best times in history. Yeah, Dan. Yeah, well, kind of easy for me. I mean, you know, we I grew up, we only had TOS. And then we only had TNG with a little okay. DS9. And then we had a little bit of Voyager and DS9 overlap. So we've had iterations of Star Trek that have been stretched out over time. Right now, we have Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, Prodigy. Um, who knows if Section 31 will ever happen? Um, and we've got the possibility of another movie. There is so much Star Trek. And we're not what we were seeing in at the end of Enterprise when people were suffering from so-called Star Trek burnout, which I never believed mm -hmm. in anyway. But the stories are so awesome. The episodes, the special effects, the arcs. It's just amazing. It, there's new Star Trek coming at us from all directions. And it's great storytelling which is what is at the heart of star trek and i just think it's it's phenomenal time to be a star trek fan so that context yes absolutely um and and i think it's only going to get better for at least the next decade uh until maybe another burnout happens um uh but yeah as you said there's there's more coming and i think the series each each season's getting better and better for yes. each one of them yep um so yes, with that context, I could not agree with you more. Awesome. I am curious though, 50 years from now, what Star Trek will look like then? Right. Yeah. And, and I'm not trying to be all uh, philosophical. I just mean 50 years ago, it, it was on a TV and it was, I mean, some places it was black and white, some places it was color and, 
and uh, the stories were were very good and, and poignant for their times. Uh, I, I would say that this new uh, Star Trek, that uh, Secret Hideout and, and uh, Alex Kurtzman and, and, and everyone have brought out is a new kind of Star Trek for sure. It's a more modernized. I mean, it's more realistic. It's more, um, well, I, I just say realistic. Uh, I, I wonder 50 years from now, are we going to, I mean, not just technologically, is it going to be a hologram Star Trek where we're in the scenes? Yeah. I mean, it, this is fun stuff to think about because Star Trek's not going to go away. It's not. Not because I say so, but because its ideas are too uplifting and good. And I, I think there will always be ebbs and flows and ups and downs of popularity in Star Trek. But, you know, in the next half century, what will Star Trek be like? And of course, you could say in the next hundred years. Right. Um, which not to let too much, let the cat out of the bag too much, but uh, there's there's something that we're working on that we hope we can announce in the next couple months um, that I, I'd, I'd love anyone in the audience listening to start thinking about, you know, how, how using my father's lifespan of a hundred years, what were we like back then? And again, speaking to sort of what we spoke of before, what was obscene back then and normal today in every way, social justice, politics. What do we hope and want our next hundred years to look like a hundred years from now? And I, I ask this because I want people to think of this because we might be making a request down the road of, of, of people out there who love Star Trek and of course humanity to send us their ideas. And there might be some sort of time capsule that we might put together. And I'll just leave it oh, at wow. that. Interesting. Uh, that would be very cool that, you know, I mean, it's beyond my lifetime and possibly beyond my son's lifetime, even mm -hmm. that a hundred years from now, whatever that time capsule is that we look at or open up, it'll be very interesting to see what we all, what our expectations were and who we were at this time. And I'm sure other people, this is not the first time this has been thought of, but this will be really neat to do it from a Star Trek perspective. Definitely. Um, That's fantastic. So, so I let the cat out of the bag. No one's uh, really <laughs> no one listens to us anyway. It's still in its development it. on our end. <laughs> it's still in development on our end. So we don't really, I don't even really know what I'm asking. I just know that, that I want people to start thinking about that, please. Um, so, awesome. so it's ready to go when we ask. That's fantastic. Well, Rod, I'm going to, I'm going to end this with, not with a question, but with a comment. Sure. And I will apologize up front. If I do get emotional, it could happen. Um, in Trek Nation, you talked about a letter that was read at your father's memorial service, and this person was disabled and didn't have anything to live for. And then Star Trek happened. And he ended that letter by saying he was married and had kids and he owed it all to you, meaning Gene. Now, anyone who's listened to Trek Geeks over the last five years knows my personal story. So I'm not going to get into details about it here, but I've been a Trek fan since the mid seventies when I was a kid. But in early 2000, Rod, I had a gun in my mouth and was seconds away from committing suicide. And the reason I didn't is because an episode of Deep Space Nine was playing from my VCR and my TV, and it caught my eye in those last seconds. And that episode literally saved my life. My life. Um, I've never been happier in my life since the events of that dark time. I've had the opportunity to thank Cole Meany and Scott McDonald, who were the people on screen who saved me. I've thanked other actors in Star Trek for being part of the universe that saved my life. But here right now, I'm able to tell you the living protege of your father's dream and vision that I owe everything to you 
and Gene and Majel. If not for this universe that has been created through your father's legacy, I would not be alive today. So thank you for continuing the adventure because it means so much to me every single damn day. That's amazing. Um, thank you for, for saying that. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what to say. I, I'm, I'm glad. Um, this, is, this is why I'm proud of my father. This is why I'm proud of Star Trek. This is why I'm proud of fans. And this is why that question that was asked earlier, how much of Star Trek is really Star Trek and how much have we made? That's why I think it's okay that we fans have connected with Star Trek and given it more of a life because I think it's, it's that that inspires us all. And yeah. uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. But well, um, thank you. We thank can't you, thank you enough for being here again. Thank you for everything you've done. Ladies and gentlemen, he is Rod Roddenberry. Definitely check out Trek Nation. It is a fantastic documentary about Rod's own journey with Star Trek. Thanks so much, man. Hope to see you in Vegas and uh, stay safe and healthy. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Dan, it's not every day you get to talk to one of the executive producers of, well, Star Trek. <laughs> it's just <laughs> a, a whole it. bunch of, whole, yeah, <laughs> a lot of it. Um, but we, we really can't thank Rod enough for taking the time out of his incredibly busy schedule to talk about his dad and his dad's legacy and the plans for celebrating Gene's 100th because I, I think it absolutely is something we should be celebrating as a fandom. Oh, it absolutely is. And, and like you said, he's a very busy guy. I mean, he's got stuff going on all over the place. So for him to take the time to talk to us really means a lot to both you and I. And I think I think the listeners are really going to appreciate the things that he had to say. And and you said, yeah, this August is is Gene's 100th birthday we'll be celebrating. Um, and it, it just it's an amazing it's an amazing number, 100 years old. And uh, I'm sure that that he is going to be thinking about his dad, as will so many people who have who he has been able to touch their lives over the course of the last 55 plus years. Yeah, I think it's going to add a really interesting uh, dimension to Vegas celebrating Gene's birthday this year. I plan to be on hand for the birthday toast. I'm sure you are, too. Yep. And uh, and I will raise a glass very high. That's for sure. And um, what a what a great thing that Gene created and, and you know, we, we talked about the concept of Gene's vision, but I think the his vision was really about making us all better people. And I think Star Trek helps us do that a little bit every day. I wish more people would believe in that, to be honest with you. So I'm glad that at least some of us do. Well, you know what else I believe in, Dan? Hmm. Not just, you know, walks on the beach and here it comes sunsets. Yep. It's the music of five-year mission. Um, how could you not? Because they are truly amazing. Yeah, Star Trek band doing an original song for every episode of Star Trek. How how does it not get any better than that? This is, I mean, this is directly inspired by Gene's vision. If you think about it, right. They give us new ways to look at these episodes. So you know what I'm going to say on the, about this too, folks Go on out to five year mission.net, please buy all their albums, support the band year one, year two, year three, year four, Spock's brain, trouble with tribbles. It's just some fantastic music that you're going to find yourself listening to all the time. As I was just before we started recording today, Dan. That does not surprise me. You listen to it all the time. Year five might be coming out sometime. I know that they're working on it. So let's talk about that too. Year one through four, year five. There's so many albums. There's so many so songs. Many. There's so many episodes to sing about, which they do like this one. 
<laughs> ah, oh, you knew man. I was coming. Yeah, here we go. Well, I gotta get I, dramatic. I knew, but I was I was hoping against hope. No, no, I, I got to get dramatic here. Hold on. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Kirk on trial. A missing drummer thought to be jettisoned during an ion storm. A daughter who was first at first was furious with Kirk, and then right after a commercial break, really had no problem with him. A lawyer who likes books instead of pads, and a prosecutor with romantic ties to the accused. You know what I'm talking about. It's court factual, and you need to check it out. Mr. Cogley, books, court factual. Bill, hello. Wake up. I'm, I, I'm traumatized. <laughs> I, wow. Court Farkshall? Court Farkshall. Yeah. It's it's a little it's a little tongue twisty, but but it works, right? <laughs> no, okay. no, it doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. You yeah. based on your on your last one, yeah. and I mean and everyone since you you really have us <laughs> running the risk of of some kind of legal action from no. our, our good friend Fark, who actually has a podcast on this network. He does, and it's a great podcast and it's a great name podcast, but he loves them. He loves him too. It's okay. He, he can say I, it. No, no, <laughs> you know, no. this is a good one though. I like this one. No, I, mean, I think we've demonstrated over the <laughs> almost seven years we've been doing this, that your definition of good is different from the rest of everybody else who listens to Trek geeks. Uh, um, uh, okay. Well, Cause I mean, what? you took a beating on our Patreon discord server, but I way. did, I did. And that one was well-deserved that one. I didn't Rightfully. have a lot of, I didn't, I didn't put a lot of effort into that one and it's okay. But this one, Whew. I just got up to the plate with like two outs in the ninth inning and, and I jacked with 450 feet. Whoa, no, you whiffed gone court. You show. whiffed. No, you whiffed and you went down looking. <laughs> That's what you did. Oh, so I swung and didn't swing. <laughs> no, you whiffed. So you swung and you watched it back. Going, oh my God, that went by me. Wow. Somebody yeah. caught it out in the stands and was like, this is going on my shelf forever because it's no, awesome. they didn't. It, no. never, it was in the catcher's glove. It never made it to the stands. <laughs> Moron. Wow. Fiveyearmission.net, please. Um, go get all their albums. We insist. <laughs> Dan, don't forget, uh, you know, we have a Patreon and we are so hmm. fortunate to have so many wonderful people supporting us on Patreon. Um, everything that that Patreon allows us to do, like introduce new shows and, and and do some of the things like the Trek Geeks mobile app. All of that happens through a direct result of the the direct support we receive from our, our producers, associate producers, and other levels on Patreon. And we are so grateful for all those folks, Dan. We really are. There's there's great special perks that you can get when you're when you become a Patreon supporter, like like unedited episodes. I don't maybe you won't consider that a perk. I don't know. Listening to us jerk around i don't know anyway um but it's it's great we have fun we love doing it and we love doing it for the for the patrons so thank you so much um head on over to the patreon page read up about our shows and all the perks that you can have by being a supporter and as always we want to take a, a special moment right now to thank all of our associate producers on trek geeks because we really are so grateful for their support and they are i gotta take a deep breath because the list is growing kills back kills back <laughs> Vikram Bhatt, Luke Burnham, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Patrick Escudero, Brandon Everidge, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Jamie McGregor, Aaron Molenkoff, Casey Pettit, Helen Reed, Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Sarah Rutlinger, Sir Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Samuel Slade, Heather Sohn, Blake Strike, 
Rick Tatro, Lisa Tomlinson, Jessica Dax Vincent, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Connie Hutchins. So a little break before I read the list of, of producers. You and I occasionally will go in and change the copy and the outline mm. and not tell the other one. Yeah, like I did. Uh, we, we do it <laughs> very often. And yeah. I didn't look at the Patreon copy. I just started going off the top of my head because... Yeah. I do that from time to time. Which I like to good. call it. I like to call it crazy Ivan and catch you off guard. Mm -hmm. I'm now looking at your spelling of the word unedited. Oh, did I spell it wrong? I would just like to spell it for everybody. U n e d i t e d unedited. Unedited. But if I, you know what, I didn't notice that. But if I click on it so that I could like actually see my mistakes, it's it's underlined. I missed it. Yeah, no kidding. So we do that from time to time. Um, <laughs> we change things up on each other. Um, to try to catch the other one in. And uh, congratulations, because it worked. <laughs> Dan, by the way, we also mm. want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. And they are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Andy Davenport, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Julianne Jordan, Leonel Marchand, Rick Mason, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Darren Metcalf, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Jim Stoffel, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashaw. Dan, the senior producer of Trek Geeks, is the frequently fantastic Jude Tatman. Freaking frequently fantastic Jude Tatman, Whoa, I might say. I so see what that's you a, did there. That's a triple F. You know, also, I got to say, rumor has it that Kimberly Hartman is our number one fan. I'm just going to throw that out there. I've heard that. And I, I think I it's true. I, I think, think it true. is. I think it is. Now, you too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, and it is so easy to do. Just head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Dan, next week, it's time to take a serious look at something affecting us right now and see what the possibilities are for the future as we see it in Star Trek. Yeah, right. You are, my friend. Humanity seems to be constantly facing issues with regards to the environment. So next week, we're going to bring an expert in environmental science, namely meteorology, to the show. You've seen her on Twitter and Facebook and maybe even seen her fandom forecasts uh, in her Starfleet uniform. She wears a Starfleet uniform and does forecasts. It's amazing. On our next episode, meteorologist and avid Star Trek fan Katie Nicolau is going to teach two dumb guys namely us all about weather it's on trek geeks next week it's the flagship of the trek geeks podcast network i didn't adjust that copy i just no, to i did and i forgot too so i caught myself <laughs> she she's the morning meteorologist on cbs 14 in sioux city iowa she is just such a wonderful um <laughs> bundle of energy dan um i you have a conversation with katie you can't help but laugh because she gets excited to talk about weather and why not because it's it's pretty exciting if not challenging at times i'm sure she likes to talk about weather whether you like it or not i hate you so much right now. <laughs> of course for more great star trek discussion we want everyone to check out the other member podcast of the trek geeks podcast network recently dan we've added science station two with Haley stoddard mm. which had yes. its episode one premiere We've brought on board with the first link with Matthew and Ruthie, mm -hmm. which is a fantastic show rewatching Star Trek The Next Generation. And this week alone, Dan, we've announced Drawn to Trek with Aaron Harvey and John awesome. Cooley and awesome. Jesse Gender and Darren Moser as they talk about all of the animated Star Trek there is, of course, with season two of Lower Decks just right around the corner. 
We want everyone to check out all of our shows. And of course, you can find them all by going to trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks podcast. First, you know what? I got to say something. I'm drawn yeah. to that podcast. Oh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. See, see what I did there? I can't wait to listen to that one. The Trek Geeks podcast network. No one talks Trek like we do. Absolutely no one. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 264 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Coconut. 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 No. Sorry. Oh, come on. No. Okay, what, what if you had to choose? Coconut or cork fart uh, <laughs> See? Now you gotta like, think. That's like cake or death. Um, <laughs> I choose nothing. Wow. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Bong, Daniel. Bing bong, William. <laughs> I don't call you that very often. Be careful how you attack that mic there. You I don't know. My ears she Sorry. totally like I did. blew my eardrums. I did, and I remembered right as I did it, but there was nothing I can do to stop it. I couldn't stop myself. Uh. No, there, there actually is something you can do to stop it. Don't do it. Oh, okay. Sorry, Dad. Now that I've started talking to you, Abby is now lying directly behind I, my chair. I see that. I do. I don't have any of my pups in here. They're uh, They're in the other room, so she's she's been so good today you know i obviously I, I work upstairs here in my home office and abby's up here with me pretty much all day we have a baby gate on the door baby um, gate. but abby has been all about me rubbing her face today she just threw your face that, without even trying i know right <laughs> every now and then i'll just i'll get down i'll say hi to her and stuff and she just sticks her head out like will you rub my face oh my god i cannot even believe that that you're saying that because the exact same thing happened with aria this afternoon Oh, really? She was she was laying on my bed and she's a she's a very loud breather. She's like when she's just laying there, she's like, <laughs> but she's not sleeping, but it sounds like she's snoring. So I went over right. to her because right after one of them, she went or some like weird noise. So I don't know if she was dreaming. So I went up to her and I started rubbing her 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 nose and she like just stuck her head forward. Like, don't stop. Keep doing it. What are you doing? So yeah, Abby that's will weird. Put her whole head in my hands. And, you know, I'll rub her, her cheeks with my thumbs mm-hmm. and she'll get into it. And yep. next thing you know, her eyes start getting all <laughs> like, like, oh my God, this feels so good. Yeah. 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 So you had the whole head in your hands. You had the whole big head right in your hands. I'm going to, I'm going to kick you in the junk. I really am. <laughs> wow. That took a turn. Yeah. <sighs> and he started quoting, he's got the whole world in his hands. Well, it was a misquote because I used different words, but anyway. Uh, yeah, but that's the song you were using. It, it was sure. definitely. So speaking of songs, I'm not going to sing it. Don't lie to me. I'm, I, I'm not lying. I was just, 
you know, you're being selectively uh, truthful. So yes, still a lie, Captain. Anyway, um, so I dropped a package off to your house this morning at lunch. We won't go into the details of what it was, um, but on the way back, I happened to be listening to '80s on Eight, and Lionel Richie came on all night long. And I'm telling you right now that right. if we if we still did the Friday commutes, that would be a perfect selection for the two of us to do that song. It would I was because I was doing it in the car, and and then with the vocals in the background, I'd be looking over to where you would normally be. And if people were driving, they were probably like, "What is this guy doing?" Because I was having and fun fake me it. was going, "Yeah, jumbo jumbo, <laughs> exactly." <laughs> That's that's absolutely correct. It's funny because the running joke in my house is how one of the two of us is like the biggest Lionel Richie fan alive, even though we're not the biggest Lionel Richie fans alive. <laughs> and so every time something like that, you know, comes on and some one of us utters the phrase all night long, the other one out of obligation goes all night. All night. Yeah. <laughs> all that's night. all right. My sister a, was a big Lionel Richie fan. Yeah, I was not because he was competing with Michael Jackson during the 80s. So I didn't like him as much. Was it? But it wasn't really a competition. The, the, you know? they, of I mean, course, it wasn't a competition. Come on, there was no competition. But still, they wrote "We Are the World" together. For they God's did, sake. they did, and then they videotaped it together. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right see, after I the know. American Music Awards. Yes, I know. I mm-hmm. see. I know some of my '80s music trivia. You know a lot of music trivia. I will give you credit for that. You, you like we're just driving. When we were driving a Ticonderoga for Trek Conderoga coming up in September of 2021. By the way, um, we Is had it, some. Have they state, announced that? Uh, James announced it today. Yeah. Oh, it's, I didn't it's, hear it's it. Some weekend in September, and I don't know if I'll be able to go. But anyway, um, <clears throat> uh, when we were driving out there, we had some station on. I, I think it was. Oh God, I don't even remember what station it was. But as soon as the beats like two, you'd be like a name that tune freak because two beats in, you're like, oh, that's blah 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 from blah blah blah, and you were like right all the time. It was crazy. Yeah. Because yeah. listening to it all night long. All night. Thank you. <laughs> See, I didn't even miss a beat. <laughs> you didn't. You really didn't. I was waiting for it and didn't have to wait long. Wow. Well, in the words of the immortal sage observer of our times, Janet Jackson, give me a beat. Sorry. <laughs> Dan, you are nasty. I'm just going to throw that out. Well, there. How you. do we go from where we started to Janet Jackson? I just don't know. I don't know. And Paula Abdul, who's in that video with her. Please do not show your boobs, Dan. <laughs> There's no, you have to grab my outfit in order for there to be a not malfunction. And I don't think you'll be doing that. Can I tell you how much I miss? the star trek original series set tour up in ticonderoga oh my god me too we need to make it we need to make a trip up there at some point we really do it's it, it, it's it's amazing it's awesome and i can't wait to go up there again it was that was like one of the funnest weekends when they we are went. not it's, it felt like a thousand years ago i know they are not sponsors they do not pay us we are just fans yes absolutely yep they got um, some great I, people up there too it's a great small business i mean james Colley is has put his own you know, money and, and sweat equity into building those sets. Yep. And it's just, it is such a loving tribute to the original series. If you haven't been, you really owe yourself the trip to up into Ticonderoga, New York. It's a beautiful area to start with. I mean, yep. it's it's gorgeous. But the fact that this is da- in downtown Ticonderoga and they're adding next generation sets at some point yes, um, is going to be just nothing short of, of incredible. And you know what? Spend the extra money and get a moonlit tour. Because that is yeah. like that is like icing on the icing on the cake. The icing's icing. That's what that oh, is. Oh, I see what you're saying there. See I, what I, I did there? Yeah, absolutely. It's fantastic. We and we got the added bonus when we did ours. Uh, when we went, James actually did the tour, um, yeah. and it was it was a midnight light lit. Oh my god, it was just fantastic. Cannot say enough good things about that place. I can't wait to get there. 
again. You know, it's really amazing because unlike a, a, a set that would be used for shooting, the the rooms are all enclosed with four walls. There's no yeah. open where a camera would be. Yep. So you get this sense that you were actually immersed in the Starship Enterprise mm -hmm. from the moment you walked through the door. Um, it, it really is. It, it's unlike any other experience you can have in this in this country. And that's what's amazing because there's not many episodes of the original series where you see that fourth wall where Kirk walks in front of it a couple of times, I think in the Doomsday Machine or Spock's Brain or one of those. You don't see that often because, of course, it was an open wall where they were doing the filming. So when you first walk into the well, actually, when you walk onto the bridge, because that's the last thing you visit in the tour. Right. To see that wall closed off, it I, I'm not going to lie. It's a little claustrophobic at first because you're not it used is. to seeing that, but then it's just fantastic and it, it totally, totally works. And they well, have it, Star Trek playing on the screen, which is awesome also. <laughs> and it looks so much bigger on television. I, yeah. I people say that about things all the time, but in this case, it's really true. The bridge does seem a lot smaller mm -hmm. than TV has led us to believe for 55 years. Yep. I say that all the time about like baseball stadiums and football stadiums. Yeah. They look so much bigger on television so it's kind of it's kind of like opposite is it opposite i'm kind of confused now um but when you get there it actually looks a lot smaller so anyway but you're an opposite your face is an opposite I, it is opposites attract oh god you're such an idiot so 27 days to go as we record this till las vegas wow how you feeling i'm feeling awesome yeah feeling great feeling fantastic can't wait i uh i just had a an email of something finally being shipped out that I'll be bringing. So I'm very excited about that. It's I, I can't wait. I just, I just cannot wait to, uh, to, to get out there and, and to see everybody. And I, I am so unbelievably excited for the fan geeks party and, and what we got in store and people that we've been talking to. And uh, yeah, I, I got to tell you, if it weren't for the fan geeks party, I would have been on the fence about going. Oh, I'm 100% with you. Um, and it's because I, I haven't been around people, mm -hmm. yep. oh, but it occurs to me that that's not going to go away if I don't get around some people. Right. And you know what? Everybody's been in the same boat. So yeah. a lot of people are probably feeling the exact same way, but uh, I've said it to you before on the show that if it wasn't for the party, I'd kind of be like, Oh, okay. I'm going to Vegas. Yeah. But now it's like, who are you going to go to Vegas? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> because of me. At 100% because of you, I will give you all the credit in the world for that. I will let your head get big because of that, because you deserve it, big head. It was awesome. And thank you so much. <laughs> big head? That's, that's your new, no, that's your new no, hashtag. Hashtag big head. Hashtag F <laughs> Hashtag big head bill. There no. was once a guy named big head bill and he got us all the Vegas and it really was a thrill. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Were you doing that to the tune of the Beverly Hillbillies? Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> And I can't believe that I was able to get through two sentences with rhyme without screwing it up. You wrote that down, <laughs> didn't you? I did not. It just get nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> you know, and and I, I mean, you you say I, I joke around and say it's it's all because of me, but um, really, I did it because I think everybody needs this party as much as we need this mm -hmm. party. Yep. I I can't wait for the ability to get together and just have fun. Yeah. With 300 or so people that yep. want to love this thing the same way we do at our party with yep. fans. And, and, and you know what? It, 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 it was all you. You busted your ass to t contact 50 plus venues. You finally got two on the same day. 
which is kind of ironic to say that we will do it with you. And we picked one and we could not be happier. It's, you know, just a couple minute, couple minutes from the Rio and it's going to be phenomenal. And I cannot wait. And yes, you should be patting yourself on the back for a long time for this one, man, because it was all you. Eh, I, it, it's it, the party doesn't happen without everybody at Fansets and you and me working together. I just found the venue to make it. So that's really yeah. all it comes down to <laughs> make it. So I know, I know because I mean, <laughs> Fansets is going to give away a bunch of stuff. They're going to mm-hmm. have a great time. They're going to be interacting with people. You and I are going to be hosting. We're not going to announce any names, but there's the possibility we could have some special guests. I'm going to have a new uh, shirt. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thanks you. for Yeah. So wait, let's, let's talk about this <laughs> free stuff from Fansets. <laughs> potential special VIP guests. Yeah. And Dan has a new shirt. Well, that was uh, just for me because I'm excited. <laughs> which one of these doesn't belong with the others? Genius. Um, Dan's new yeah. shirt. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. It, I might not, it may not belong, but I'm going to look good not belonging. <laughs> well, the shirt will uh, look good. Yeah. It'll look like a, like a frump, I'm sure. Frump. Yes, absolutely. Still excited, though. <laughs> It's uh, I, I some things in Vegas are not the way they were when we were last there two years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, take the Pepper Mill for example. I think they close at midnight right now. Oh. Not open all night. Um, which is all a night. <laughs> nice. Um, because I mean, there's nothing better than pancakes at 3 a.m. in Las Vegas at the Pepper Mill. I'm just never happened. I've never happened to me before, but anyway. But it oh, it's sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some other things that, that may be a little different, but we're going to, we're just going to go and we're going to have a great time, buddy. It's what it was. Yeah, we are. Can't wait, man. Cannot wait. Well, uh, let's not wait any longer. Let's kick off this, uh, this episode and, uh, and talk to somebody pretty special. All right. I'm looking forward to it. Let's do it. All night. Coconut!